Welcome to another edition of Uncorked, the podcast brought to you by Team Corker, featuring remarkable or astonishing humans. And today I am so lucky to be joined by George, the new CEO of Kitten Ace. Um, George and I actually go back to our days at Lululemon, and I was just sharing with him before we jumped on that when I think of George, I think of him always winning awards at the Lululemon Leadership Conferences for somehow rallying the most enthusiastic group of people during the craziest holiday times and you were the leader everyone wanted to work with and so it's no surprise that here we are 15 years later after you started at Lululemon um, leading another organization in Vancouver. Congrats and welcome to the show. Thanks Steph I'm glad to be on here really appreciate it. Ah you're a legend you're a legend and I want to dive into the secret sauce, the things we can't find out about you on LinkedIn. And I think a CV is a beautiful thing. And, you know, we can look at your resume or your LinkedIn profile and see this beautiful progression. And yet, I think there's, there's a really awesome, powerful heartbeat in you that lies behind these titles that may or may not have meant things to you along the way. So can, can we go way back to the first role at Lululemon? Um, sure. how, how did that come to be? How did I get my first role at Lulu? Yeah. Well, that's an interesting story in itself. So, I mean, why not just be very transparent? So, um, how I actually joined Lululemon was through uh, my college uh, final project I did for BCIT. And uh, quite frank, I showed up uh, hungover and I was late to class. And by doing that, there was only one project left, which was called Lululemon, right? And I had never heard of the company called Lululemon. And... Uh, by default, that was a project I got to go work on. So when I actually went to Lululemon, uh, that's when I first met Chip and I had walked in with a suit on and stuff and had no idea what I was stepping into. And uh, that's when he first told me like, oh my God, like don't ever wear a suit here, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> really funny, right? And then uh, from there, I was given the opportunity to do a student project there, which I successfully succeeded. And following the end of that project was when uh, Chip and Daryl at the time had... Uh, expressed interest in me and that's how I became uh, the assistant DC manager at Lululemon and by getting into that role that's where I first learned about the whole program on vision and goals and uh, people leadership actually stemmed from when I used to work at my father's restaurant where at the age of 14 uh, is when I first started leading a team which many people think oh my god that's young but I also was told I was very mature for my age throughout my life my parents right um so yeah, that's basically how I got to Lulu. And then from there, one of the strengths I always talk about or people have told me as well with people is that I, I love listening. I think that's one of the biggest gifts you can give the people is like when you're dealing with someone or working with a team is to be able to be heard is, is great because a lot of people hear things and are ready to craft up a response to people where I focus on listening to a person wholeheartedly until they complete their sentence or complete what they're trying to get so I can grasp it. And then be in response, right? Because I think by giving them that space to actually be heard, that's where I get that real success out of that employee. And I'm able to create that space to build off it and actually indicate things that they progress in in their development, et cetera. Well, you're obviously a very great listener. And I will make sure that I don't interrupt and just listen in this podcast, (laughs) Um, which I guess let's tie, it ties in very well, both into the vision and goal side and to the remarkable people leader that you are. Why don't we start with vision and goals? And 
you know, how long into your tenure at Lululemon did you start to set a vision for your life um, that you were able to check things off of and you were creating, you know, creating a vision that you might not have thought of as the hungover George in a suit rolling into Lululemon? No, it started off actually uh, right off the bat. I mean, I was surrounded by great leaders at that time, which was uh, Chip, Daryl, and Delaney. And, you know, they were the ones who enrolled me into this whole program. And when I first listened to Brian Tracy and a few other uh, things and met Suzanne Conrad. And at that beginning, I remember the most difficult thing was actually crafting up a vision. You know, you can imagine I'm 23 years old. I'm trying to figure out what I want to do in 10 years, where I want to go. And I just got to scroll something like geez, like, where do I start? Right. And I always remind myself of this experience I personally had because I take that into discussions with future employees or current employees when I talk about vision and goals. Cause when someone first hears that, it's kind of like, what, what are you talking about? Um, and for me, what really nailed it for me is like, you know, you got to start somewhere, right? So, you know, what I looked at and what I called back then, which hasn't been used very much is the magic mirror. So when you look through a mirror or window, it's like kind of like look through it and see where you want to be in 10 years. And then that's when I started seeing like beaches, and condo, palm trees. And then from there, I was like, great, that's great from a personal perspective. Then I was like, what does it mean from a career perspective now? And then I was like, oh, you know, it's me running a company in 10 years. Um, and then I started crafting that up. But then from a personal perspective, I was like, at that time, I was quite on the hefty side. So I set up some ambitious goals to lose weight and stuff, which I've successfully uh, achieved as well. But getting it on paper was the most important thing. And once I got on paper, I was able to start like focusing on things that I wanted to accomplish. Now it's great knowing this because what I learned through it is when I started putting all my goals down and crafting my vision, it became very apparent after a year or two that, wait a minute, I'm hitting every goal too quickly, right? So it really transpired as like, oh my God, these are getting too easy. Like, you know, one of the goals was to go to a Super Bowl. And I was like, okay, so I ended up doing that. But then that wasn't really uh, hard to do. All I had to do was buy a ticket and flight and go there and do it. So that's where I started like, learning a lot from Chip about like, you know, you want to fail at 50% of your goals or make them really hard so that, you know, you're pushing yourself to that limit, right? So when I had first crafted up that vision of owning my own company, which I still have those goals that I shared it with my team today, quite frankly, is it states in there as my 10 year goal that I will own a company focused on clothing for the workforce, right? Little did I know that 17 years later, I'd be doing that and focus on the modern commuter and having office ready clothing, right? So was, what I shared with the team is like, it was a 10 year goal, but at the end of the day, it's okay if I didn't reach it in 10 years, because what was really clear is I was still passionate. I really want to lead a team, really want to uh, create a space that didn't, or a space for people to grow within and also look at a future that didn't exist, right? So through this and being uh, remain focused on my goal, I was able to get to that point, and then here I am today owning that. And then what I've been doing and really focused on is actually sharing that journey with as many people as I can, starting with my brother, uh, family members, and also the people that work for me. And what I've done even back in the day when I used to work in my previous uh, company is the distribution center, because uh, Steph, one of the things that always comes up with distribution centers is people just think of these gray buildings that you just run around, pick orders, and you know there's not really much fun there. And then what I was really focused on is how do you like shift or disrupt the whole workforce environment when it comes to distribution centers? And you know, I know I'm leading into a lot more, but what I really no, want to know. No, it's perfect. I care so much about just that. I mean, the gray environment that is distribution centers and you're winning awards and, and you know, renovating the, the culture there. So yeah, keep going. Riff. 
Yeah. So then in the uh, distribution centers, we really focus on vision and goals and, you know, we really got the team jacked up on them because they start seeing like myself as a person that really grew within the DC working as a inventory person to begin to actually then into the management role and they're seeing my progress and they're getting inspired. But at the same time, I was thinking this wasn't enough. So what else can we do to shake up this environment or the way people view DCs? And that's when we started focusing on the sweat life. And what I meant by that is, okay, there's this component of health within our goals and Really what I was thinking of is like, how can we impact our employees and kill them a healthy environment and stuff? And that's where we implemented a gym in each of our distribution centers, uh, three of them at that time. And we had a personal trainer hired on staff, eight hours a day, five days a week. And collectively, we were able to enroll the entire team into um, fitness. And from that, we ended up losing, believe it or not, 2,000 pounds. We tracked it. That is so cool. Within a six-month period. So, you know, you factor that health component into it. Then you also start talking about goals for career and personal life. And then them seeing themselves reaching their own health goals was easy way to, like, transfer or uh, convert into like other sorts of goals such as what do you want to do from a career perspective what do you want to do from a personal perspective right so that helped them actually move forward and they they saw the opportunity of oh my god this is such powerful uh, thing in front of them so um and then from there you know enrolling them into other sorts of programs such as landmark etc helped them contribute and build this this life that they never thought they could have and you know here i am as a byproduct of that because i always refer to myself as a byproduct and uh, seeing how it helped me in my life is easy for me to explain and enroll others into this gift of vision and goals, right? And then crafting that vision. And you really know when you got a great vision because uh, what I always say is if you're smiling a lot when you're writing them and you're getting happy, you know you've nailed it, right? And like I always say, like, it's good to fail because if you fail and you're still passionate about it, that means the goal hasn't changed. You just got to reset your priorities and figure out how you can get there uh, at a different speed, let's say, right? Yeah. So, I'm so obsessed with vision and goals. I mean, I think those of us that came through Lululemon at, at that era, it, it almost feels impossible to, to not be. And, um, you know, just like what you said, failing is, is part of the journey, yet it's exciting when you're still excited about it. And I mean, I know it took you 17 years to achieve a 10-year vision. Um, are there other milestones that you've had along the way that you might have failed at or have taken longer? And And how did you stay in the game? Or how did you maintain your inertia of enthusiasm well in the beginning i mean yes quite frankly when it comes to health like i I started focusing on weight and it was always tied to a number and in the beginning i was like checking it off oh i got to 190 pounds or something where it wasn't really a substantial goal it wasn't like making me feel good or anything it was just like a number i was trying to get to just because i thought oh this is the right number for me to be at my height and weight and stuff like that but really what it transferred into is like, wait, wait a minute. I love sweating. I love working out. And that's what really makes me feel good. It doesn't really matter what that number is as long as I'm actually doing those activities. So that's where I, I transitioned into actually just doing a lot of fitness. Like I run five times a week. And then from there, fast forward, what several years later now, I'm actually doing a lot of more um, with weightlifting, et cetera. So it's really changed my life from a fitness and health perspective. And then also from a personal uh, perspective is like, you know, who would have thought that, you know, I never thought I would ever get married or ever have children, all that stuff. But yet, when I started putting that up down on paper, I ended up finding my life partner. And then from there, we had kids. And then here I am today having a three-year-old and two-year-old. And, it's, and this stuff was all written down. So what I'm trying to say is everything has always been written down for me. And that's what's actually helped me get to my goals. But yeah, with that said, I've failed on a lot of other goals, right? Um, such as, you know, 
let's just say I wanted to uh, travel to eight, all eight continents in the world. I haven't actually achieved all that. I've done two of them and I'm still passionate about it, but it all goes back to like timing and stuff and your environment and, you know, priorities, you know, having kids now and stuff has just made me adapt my goals differently a bit to still be able to go out and still reach goals that I still want to achieve. Um, and one of the big ones on there is actually we'll see the pyramids, right? So I eventually want to get out there, but you know, that's a good goal to have because knowing I can do that with my kids even excites me even further about that. Right. Totally. So I'm in place for that. But you know, the, the failure part is what I really like homing in on because there's a lot of people that always bring that up. Like, what about if I don't hit it? What if I fail at it? And I always have to tell them it's okay. You just reset. Right. It's so yeah. part of the practice. Totally. I think, I mean, I know personally, it's easy for me to get excited about positives. And I feel like I'm a rather enthusiastic person that's, you know, there's no shortage of things to celebrate and all of the goodness along the way. And it's not to say that I haven't had my fair share of a ton of failures. And I think learning from people that haven't lost their enthusiasm, despite a lot of failure, or or various failures, um, is something I really value. And I appreciate the candid you know, the candid chat that getting here might not have been this smooth skating rink yet. It was totally worth it. And, and here you are. And um, yes, priorities shift and, and timing of goals might change, but it doesn't mean that the vision of where you're headed changes. Uh, 2000 pounds lost in the distribution center. That really strikes a chord with my heart because when I think of all of the metrics that you were measuring in a distribution center from pick time and efficiency and, and you know, your ability to get however many boxes picked and packed constantly, the fact that you then chose to measure a metric that you could argue and say it had nothing to do with the business's bottom line, yet we would say has everything to do with the business's bottom line. And that is losing 2000 pounds collectively. I want to know, I mean, and hiring a personal trainer and committing to health goals among a not at all gray warehouse. Um, what, what else did you do then that you look back on and say, that's really my legacy as a leader in a distribution center and we did these things differently because I oh. feel like there were so many. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, whew. I mean, uh, one, one thing I've always prouded myself around is like giving people space. Right. And not mm. like, what I always think about is, is, you know, I have freaking amazing time with all these people I had working for me and just seeing the type of talent they had and discovering that talent and then actually give them the opportunity to excel, right? So, you know, what I always talk about is giving people space and not really micromanaging and stuff. I'm not saying that many people do that, but sure. from my it's always about giving the person that space and giving them some guidance and then letting them excel. And that's how I really had the opportunity to really develop powerful leaders. And what I what really benefited from it is I was in this opportunity where Lululem was really skyrocketing and growing at the same time. So many different distribution centers had to be open at, at simultaneously like in the US and Canada and stuff and being able to have this core group of people that you've developed and give space to was able to allow them to grow and actually try, uh, cascade that down to others on their team as well right so it's really staying focused to that and by having that health component of the gym and stuff and people working out it really transpired into this like workforce that was really happy to get in it come in two hours earlier to get a run in you would see them running on the floors picking their orders and 
all of a sudden I had people coming there and visiting us and being like, I've never seen this in a work environment like this. And then from there, people quickly were trying to figure out how can we replicate this? And I was like saying, it's, it's very hard to replicate because it has to also tie back to your culture and what you're creating in the environment. And really what I just did is took the, the whole part of like the sweat life. Cause you know, you would think when you hear sweat life at a DC, you're thinking of people working really hard, but we took it as people working really hard for, become healthier and from that they were able to bring it to their workforce and actually contribute milestones and and hit levels of productivity that we've never seen before to this day where people probably still go back to those dcs and say the same thing and what i'm proud about is seeing the people that are still there who have gone to the next level now who are vps and directors and stuff just makes me proud and being able to have that coffee with them every so often and seeing that that legacy is continuing and they're carrying on that fitness lifestyle there is incredible right and then from there it's incredible it's, it's just really like focused on the power of the goals, right? And really like what is possible. And really what I say, anything is possible. If you were to ask me 17 years ago, would I be a CEO? Probably not. But you know what? I wrote it down thinking that, you know, it's a tough goal and who knows what happens. But I stayed committed to it and got to that point. And here I am today talking about it. And then seeing others reach those goals is just, I don't know. For me, that's really motivates me even further, right? It's one thing to be really happy about your own goals, but it really pushes me even further is seeing others reach your goals. And then the best part is when someone that you've been developing is always saying, Oh, I don't think I'll ever hit that goal. But then when they actually do hit that goal and you're seeing it and you're like, ah, that's, that's the exact feeling I'm talking about. But yeah, what I always like to say is like when you hit the goal, it's a different feeling than when you're actually in the journey of hitting the goal. Sure. And really what is like the journey is really where the fun is because once you take it off it's kind of like oh, i got it awesome but i really had fun getting to that goal right so i look at like how i got to where i am today and what a journey that's what and i'll never trade it in for anything else and then now looking at what got me to where i am today now i have to change it because here i am at a different level now and i'm like okay what got me to where i am today is not going to get me to where i'm going to go so it's like how do i shift and adapt and reinvent myself as a ceo now to actually continue building this great company and then creating and cultivating a whole new culture um, that I really want to be known for is really what I'm after now. Incredible. Oh, you're so darn inspiring, George. Um, I want to go future for a minute. So what, what are the goals? What's the future state of, of Kitnace, of your role within Kitnace? Where, where do you see this new business going? Yeah, no, now we're focused on the, the rebrand, which we just uh, completed and, you know, we, pivoted, moved away from technical cashmere, we're into technical apparel, we're focused on this modern commuter, which I talk about every day, which I've been watching for 17 years. It's that person that lives in the city, that rides a bike approximately 10 kilometers to and from work. And what I've been noticing is just that clothing wasn't comfortable uh, as I would drive to work sometimes or ride in. And what I really wanted to do is just really home in in that space, that short ride or the people that live in the city that work in the city as well, and really make clothing that's uh, office friendly but also operates on a bike so we all know that if it functions within the company if it functions on a bike we'll know it will function for any other commute right so that's what we've been really focused on so that therefore the comfort will be there the stretch will be there and then you can walk into an office being ready versus having to change and stuff right so taking that now and then we want to take that now and grow it and obviously expand through uh, other cities and stuff and we're starting particularly in Canada or we've had a presence for a while, then slowly re-enter into the U.S., but really getting that pull approach, uh, test out markets with pop-ups, et cetera, and really uh, keep continuing looking for those specialty fabrics that are known in the world that have that stretch and recovery that everybody wants, uh, some other technical features such as repellency, and then really 
home in on how do you hide in some of the cycling gear that people talk about so when i when i talk about vents like how can you hide vents into your pants so it still looks like it's office ready how do you put reflectivity into your uh, clothing so that you can use it when you're riding but it's hidden when you're in the office and stuff so that's really what we're up to and secondly it's for me it's all about the people right at the end of the day it comes down to the people and they're the ones who have gotten us to where we are today and we're gonna and they're the ones who are gonna get us where we need to go so for me it's really uh important for me to just create space for these people to keep continue growing and really assist in cultivating a culture of uh, people development right and really embrace the whole possibility that anything is possible if you put your mind to it right so one thing I always say to everybody, it's the most important thing. And then one of the last things I always talk about is choice, right? Because I always want people to be in choice. So that's one big theme in one of our core values here at Kit and Ace that we've included in our revision and choice, making sure people are always in choice. You know, you, you know, don't hold yourself hostage, right? Like you may enjoy your job today, but be in choice that, you know, you're able to leave at any time or continue growing within the company to go achieve your next goal. So we always want to celebrate and support people in achieving their goals. And I think by giving people that ability to be in choice, which I've always had my entire life, has been one of the power, most powerful words. And, you know, it stemmed back from my early days working with Chip. And one of the things he's embedded into me is that whole power of choice, right? So, yeah. Oh, George, 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 it's never boring. But just like that, we must wrap uh, the last question we finish every podcast with at team corker is what is currently making your heartbeat faster oh man for me it's it's two things i have to land on it's my children for mm-hmm. sure and my wife so that's one thing i and i can't wait to get home every day and play with them and secondly I, I, again all goes back to people you know what really fuels me and gets me into kidneys every day is the people and uh for those of you that know me i always uh use the word rock and roll right so one of the things i find off in my signatures with well that's rock and roll so I love having fun with my people, right? So when I come in here, I'm always laughing because I'm with people I want to be with. And then at the same time, I'm trying to bring as much fun to the environment because at the end of the day, you know, we come in here, we're making clothing, but, you know, you can't take yourself so serious. So you have to have fun. And that's what I'm pushing every day while I'm here. Amazing. Thank you so much for your time. Congrats on a 17-year vision come true. And uh, we are so glad that you're a Vancouver leader that cares about this and cares about your people. We love you, man. Thank you very much. Much appreciated stuff. Take care.